State Champs Nation, Lauren Plant here. Before we get to this podcast, I just wanted to bring you a quick programming note. The State Champs Sports Network is expanding our podcast programming. In order to make it easier for you to listen to the podcast you want to listen to, we wanted to break them all out. You can find each of our podcasts on your favorite podcast platform, from Apple and Google Podcasts to Spotify and so many more. If you're a State Champs super fan, you want to listen to them all, you don't have to to change a thing. We'll still be posting everything in this feed. Now, on with the podcast. Hello and welcome to the Ready, Set, Cheer podcast. I'm Jenna Rose, joined by my co-host, former Notre Dame prep and Michigan State cheerleader, Antoinette Phelps. Ready, Set, Cheer is presented by Lord's Technological University. In fact, LTU is forming its competitive cheer and dance team for the first time in school history. Academic and athletic scholarships are available. Lord's Tech wants you to recruit yourself. Just go to ltuathletics.com and click on the Recruit Yourself link. This podcast is also brought to you by the Michigan High School Athletic Association, promoting the value and values of educational athletics. The DMC's Rehabilitation Institute of Michigan Michigan is the only freestanding rehabilitation hospital in Southeast Michigan, solely dedicated to physical medicine and rehabilitation, providing hope and healing to patients for over 65 years. Antoinette, I feel like every time we start an episode, I'm going to say this is a special episode, but this really is a special episode because we have a guest on today with a very decorated resume in the world of cheerleading. Thanks, Jenna. Today, we have Notre Dame Prep's head coach, Beth Lockhart, on the show. We're very excited to interview her. You may know her as Beth Campbell, as she was recently married and changed her name. She has had many years of cheerleading experience under her belt, from cheering in high school at Lake Orion to 14 years coaching at Troy High School, and now the last eight years at NDP. Her notable accomplishment is a five-time state championship and three-time runner-up with Notre Dame. We hope to hear more about her background, handling cheerleading during COVID and her coaching philosophy. Antoinette, as an alumni, this must be so exciting for you to have the opportunity to pick her brain. How wonderful has it been for you to see this program build itself up to such a recognizable name? Exactly, Jenna. I loved my time cheering at NDP. My best memory was probably when we won Catholic Leagues. And there was nothing like it. Being on the floor and getting first place during that was just such an amazing feeling. And then watching over the years after I left Nordame, watching what Beth has built, what program she's built with them has been awesome. And I give her a lot of credit. And as an alumni, I'm really happy with what she's done with the program. And just having Nordame be one of those top names in Division Three, we hear about them all the time. They place a lot at states and at other competitions. And it's just so great for the program. Beth Lockhart has plenty of experience becoming a head coach at the age of 19. Let's get to our first ever head coach interview on the Ready, Set, Cheer podcast. Joining us now is Notre Dame Preps head competitive cheer coach, Beth Lockhart. Beth, thank you for taking the time to talk with us today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. We're happy to have you on. Antoinette and I agree that your decorated resume, filled with plenty of accolades such as five straight state championships at Notre Dame Prep, would be perfect to talk about on the show. But first, we want to hear about your cheerleading journey. How did you get your start? Yeah, well, cheer has been a part of my life since as long as I can remember. I was a high school cheerleader at Lake Orion. 
out of high school one year and started as the freshman cheer coach at Troy High School. Two years later, I found myself 19 years old, the head coach at a D1 school at Troy. I stayed there for about 13 or 14 years coaching. Obviously, I knew that was what I wanted to do. I I stayed home from school and went to Oakland University. So at the time, they didn't have a cheer program. So coaching was the the next obvious step for me. Spent the time at Troy, made a couple of regional championships and, and moving towards working towards the D1 state championship and just found myself really overwhelmed with a large program and one of my one of my good friends who coaches at Stony Creek said, "There's a school, this little school in Pontiac called Notre Dame Prep. You know, it's a D3 school. So, you know, being a mom and having full time job, it might be a better fit." And I said, "Oh, check it out!" And here I am, nine years later at Notre Dame, which has become the love of my life. Honestly, I, my children attend the school. I work there as the um, alumni director. I'm the cheer coach. And I married an alumni, so I found my home at Notre Dame, and I couldn't be happier. The the place is is the best, and just changed my coaching philosophy, and it's really helped me to grow. And uh, thankfully, we've had a ton of success. And I, you know, of course, owe that all to the kids. They're just an amazing group. So I'm on my 23rd year coaching. So I've been at the big school, the small school. I've coached freshmen. I've coached varsity, but really, really think my home is at Notre Dame. Absolutely. And I wanted to ask, you touched on that you changed your coaching philosophy. What went into that? You know, well, I think just as you grow up, start to think that maybe to be successful, you have to go go wild. And, you know, when I was a younger coach at Troy, I really was like, we're going to work harder than every you know, every team out there, we're going to practice two times in a day and we're going to do 100 toe touches and we're going to do all of these really <laughs> excessive type things. And, you know, once I came to Notre Dame, I started with a new philosophy with my my team. And I talk about it every day about quality over quantity. And we're, we're going to do our best work every time. And every rep is going to be our best rep rather than say, do it 50 of the wrong way. And I talk about that every day with my kids. And it really has changed the culture and started a precedent and that we don't just do it to get through it. We, we do it to our best ability. And I think that really contributed to a ton of our success. The kids have a standard. I don't even really have to set it anymore because that's just who we are. And that's what our culture is, is to do it right the first time. So I, I say, let's do five perfect reps and, and then we'll be done for the day. And there's been times I sent them home after an hour of practice. And that's completely different than, you know, the way I used to coach at Troy, where I would make those kids work their tails off for hours on end. And it wasn't necessarily always, you know, helping. It was, you know, doing bad reps that just makes bad muscle memory. So I think as you grow up, you start to learn what's more effective and, you know, changing your style for each different team. And, you know, back in the day it was, this is how I coached and that's it. And thankfully, (laughs) thankfully I learned that that's not always the best way and that you have to adjust and, and change, but have a couple of core things. And like I said, one of mine now is quality or quantity. We're not gonna do a million, we're gonna do it right. No, I absolutely love that saying quality over quantity. And looking back at those five time state championships, I believe for four of them, Richmond, were the runner-ups. Can you tell us about what went into the competition between those two schools? It's a funny, it's a funny story, actually. The Richmond head coach is my high school coach. <laughs> so that dynamic there is a, a, a fun one. Everyone likes to talk about. We do have a very, very strong rivalry between us and Richmond. You know, usually when we're not winning, they are. And so it has some some cheer fans will will say it's the the toughest rivalry in competitive cheer, and it's a you know a couple D three schools, which is 
which is funny, but I think that that rivalry pushes us both to be better. And, you know, I think, I think over the past 10 or 11 years, there's only been one other school that has gotten in the top two during that time. So it's an interesting rivalry and, and people like to talk about my coach, you know, Kelly being my coach and, and how that dynamic is. And we have good days and we have bad days. And, you know, I, uh, I always joke because, you know, a lot of what I learned is from Kelly, but I do things a little bit different. And I, I hope that's what gives me the edge at times, but it, it's, it's, it's a fun rivalry. It definitely keeps us motivated. There's nothing wrong with healthy competition. Competitive cheer is always about good sportsmanship. It's a motto the MHSAA wants to reinforce across all sports. Listen to this. Sportsmanship has never been more important between the lines in athletics and outside those lines in our communities. To listen, to respect, to understand, to practice common decency, to have competition without contentiousness. Sportsmanlike qualities are essential components of life itself. Let's all work together to not only be good sports, but good people. A message from the Michigan High School Athletic Association, promoting the value and values of educational athletics. Welcome back to Ready, Set, Cheer. We're now joined by Notre Dame Preps head coach, Beth Lockhart. Antoinette, I know you have a couple of questions for Beth about how the high school competitive cheer scene is handling COVID-19. Yes, but first of all, I want to say to Beth, thank you so much for everything you've done for Notre Dame Prep. I, being an alumni cheerleader, have loved watching the journey over the last couple of years, even moving to Chicago and kind of looking back and watching you guys do competition and states and all of that and just kind of keeping up with it. It's been awesome to see what you've brought to the program. So as an alumni, thank you so much. No, no, no problem. Like I said, I'm kind of lucky because it's such a great place. I I never walked into a place where they just do what I asked them to do. The kids are so disciplined and so focused and really just destined to succeed. And that's why I love that place. It's, it builds success. And, uh, you know, I appreciate you saying that, but it's definitely, definitely been our awesome kids. Oh, that's awesome to hear. As Jenna said, let's talk a little bit about COVID-19. So you are the vice president of the competitive cheerleading coaches association So is there anything you can tell us that has come of those meetings or any information you can share with us in regards to the pandemic and cheerleading and kind of what's been going on this year and maybe what we can expect? Because I have my position on the competitive cheer board, I've been able and lucky to work with a group of ladies with Kathy Westorp who kind of heads up competitive cheer at the MHSA to get some plans in the work for what we can do to keep our season moving. So I've been so honored to be a part of that group because it for a lot of us, this is what we do in the winter and to be completely stalled. And to be honest, every two weeks, it's a new, a new ruling. I really appreciated the opportunity that Kathy gave me to help brainstorm, you know, how we can do competitive cheer safely. And that that's the ultimate goal is how can we continue to move forward and and do what we love, but do it in a way that protects and keeps our kids safe. So having the, the chance to brainstorm with some awesome coaches and Kathy to really put together some guidelines that could help you know, our athletes be able to participate, but still keep them safe. So in the sideline season, we were able to work directly with MHSAA and and make some awesome guidelines, which allowed stunting to come back. And for anyone that, you know, is into cheerleading, I don't know anybody who wants to cheer without stunting. So it was important for us to find ways to stunt safely. And so we were able to come up with some ways to have the, the girls work in certain pods so that contact tracing could be easier and you keep the kids masked up and we 
put in some guidelines where every 15 minutes we would stop what we were doing and sanitize just to make sure that we're trying to control that spread as much as possible, but still let these kids do what they love. And, you know, we spent some of the summer (laughs) working out constantly and, and jumping and staying six feet apart outside. And it was just like, we need to do more. We need to be able to stunt and I need to be able to spot my athletes. So graciously enough, MHSA was willing to figure out some way to make it happen for us. We did have to have some restrictions we weren't allowed to do pyramids and things of that nature, but we were able to do some partner stunting and get our kids back in the air. And just seeing the the energy level change the minute those kids got to stunt was it was worth the you know six eight five hour meetings that we had <laughs> to kind of come up with those guidelines. But I do feel extremely comfortable in, in saying that I've been so impressed with MHSA and their desire to get our kids back to athletics and you know, they're following the guidelines that they're given, um, but still trying to find a way. And so that's just recently, we found out that, you know, we're going to be extended again until January 15th, not able to see our kids in person. And it's torture. I'm, I'm telling you, I've been doing Zoom practices with my girls and trying to keep everybody engaged. And it, it's tough because we we're a family and being apart is hard. And, you know, they're on Zoom all day with school and then I'm trying to keep them excited. And so I'm just really praying that this January 15th will be the the end of that time apart, even if we will have some more restrictions again. And maybe we have to look at going back to some of those restrictions we had in the fall. Fine, but let us, you know, let us get together and see our kids. So MHSA is really doing everything they possibly can. And I'm, I'm excited that the football season gets to finish up. The boys get to play and the divers and the swimmers get to finish swim and our volleyball teams get to finish. So we, we found that out, which is good. So get that fall season wrapped up so we can focus on the winter. Oh my gosh. It sounds like you guys have had quite a year, 2020. Yeah, it has been, it's been rough, but I've been so impressed by the perseverance of our kids. They they're showing up to those zoom workouts and you know, I try to make it lively. I joke with my team. I'm like, who wants to listen to coach best playlist while we work out today? (laughs) putting on my old school, you know, music, trying to find some way to liven up these Zooms. (laughs) Oh my goodness. When was the last time you actually were in person together then for a practice? So we were able to have tryouts. um, I think it was like November 9th or 10th, something around there. It's always that second Monday of November. We were had tryouts Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then Thursday, we found out that we were put on that pause. So we got to have tryouts and, you know, I got a little bit of my material taught during tryouts. Um, round two, I got done, um, but then that was it. So we had not learned any round one or round three material. I am kind of one of those coaches that has to be in person to choreograph and likes to put arms here. And, you know, I'm not very good at home. So I had to enlist some of my coaching friends. Trisha Williams from Stony Creek came over who can do all that on paper. I'm not that kind of and she helped me put together slides. And I actually did teach our round one completely virtual through Google Slides and Zoom. And, and it was way out of my wow. out of my realm. Wow. But thankfully, I have awesome friends who are way more tech savvy than me. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's amazing that you were able to do that all over Zoom. Dot number three. You see that purple dot? That's you. This is the <laughs> art motions you're going to do. And it was, it was a mess. I can't wow. wait to try to see what it looks like if we ever do get to get together. I'm like, oh man, when I put this all together, I hope it does what we're thinking it was supposed to do. Yeah, just be a little tricky because as of right now, you would have already been what, a good month or so into getting ready for competition season. Well, yeah, so now, we usually compete the second week of December. So oh, we would have wow. already competed. 
Okay. Wow. Very, very interesting. Well, that's good information for people to know kind of what at least your school is doing and then kind of what MHSAA is, is attempting to do to hopefully bring back a competitive cheer season, hopefully January 15th. We'll check back in then and see what happens, hopefully something. So Jenna, we'll, we'll talk with you a little bit about how you have been having your team practice to this. So you alluded a little bit to Zoom, but maybe you can go a little bit further and let some listeners know how you have been running your practices. Sure. I, I started out doing Zoom every day because um, we typically practice every day. I soon realized that was a little taxing on all of us, just the monotony of watching the kids work out and trying to make corrections over Zoom. So what I moved to do to do this the past few weeks is we've had a couple of Zoom meetings and I've actually tried to keep one out of the two Zoom meetings kind of light, just chatting, catching up with the kids, making sure they're okay, talking about what's coming up with exams in school and just a really kind of like, I miss you, let's chat kind of Zoom, just to keep the kids connected to not only me, but to each other, because I know they're starting to get down. And then I did, a, I did another practice, which was more intense and, and a workout type practice. And then what I started doing for the other days was just sending the kids workouts. Let's do five round ones, two round twos, you know, 50 X outs, 25 toe touches, and then having them do a time lapse on their cell phone while they're doing the workouts. I am very blessed that my team is pretty accountable and they do the work. So I don't need to watch every single thing they're doing. So I just have them set up their, their iPhone with a time lapse and, you know, I can watch their whole hour to hour and a half workout in about six minutes. And I am trying to have them send once, you know, real time, some of the rounds so I can make some corrections, but I'm spending time reviewing video, giving, you know, feedback. It, it gets to be a lot for each kid. So we only do that at like once a week or so in, in real time, but those time-lapse videos gives them just a little accountability for me that, Hey, I am looking for the workout that I sent you to have it done, but also gives them the freedom to do it when it fits in their day. So we at Notre Dame have been open since August 19th and our high school did not close at all until the mandate was just what three or four weeks ago when Governor Whitmer issued the pause and kind of forced our high school to close. Otherwise we had been open. So our kids were in-person learning, which was awesome. So getting onto a Zoom later in the day for practice wasn't terrible, but since they've been home and they have been on Zoom, all day long, I'm trying to not make them have another two hours on Zoom. And so the time lapses have really been helpful um, to keeping them moving and keeping them working out, but giving them the freedom, you know, after studying for exams, because we just finished our semester to do that workout, you know, at seven o'clock at night, if that fits them, instead of having to meet with me for practice, you know, from four to six. So I've been trying to do a little bit of everything. I'm, I'm going to try to put together a little virtual Christmas party for them this week to try to, you know, just keep the team and keep the, the camaraderie going. It's been hard for them. And, and I, you know, have my own struggles myself because I am a personal person. So being over technology is not good for me either. So I'm trying to find ways to keep it fun and give them something to look forward to, I guess, rather than just another Zoom call. <laughs> 2020 has been so mentally taxing. With your older athletes, how have you seen their leadership skills develop? Like, how has their dynamic changed during this time? Oh, I am blessed with the most amazing group of seniors this year, all very different and have different things to offer, but they really have stepped up. You know, they have a senior group chat that they kind of talk about what's going on, what's happening with the team. And, and they, you know, they talk about how they're going to pump their teammates up and how they're going to keep them engaged. And I think, you know, when 
when I try to turn the attention to, hey, I need you guys to take care of this, they don't feel as sorry for themselves and, and know that this is going to be how their senior year ends. So I really try to distract them with, hey, you have to lead this team and you have to be the leaders. And we were having a, a, a dynamic year. Um, I have a very talented team this year and they are very motivated to take that title back. And, you know, I my heart breaks for them not to have that opportunity. So I'm trying to distract them from the, you know, the thought that, oh God, we're going to be delayed again. I'm going to just say, hey, what are you going to do to keep, keep this team going? And senior leadership is how my team functions. That accountability and that culture that they put at, at the forefront of what we do in our program is, is how we survive. So I just got to do a little, a little nudge on the side and they, they take it and they run. So they are very selfless, you know, high school kids. And that seems weird because most of the time you hear about kids, high school kids being very selfish, <laughs> but these kids are really just focused on their team. And so the, their senior leadership has been dynamic and it's really the difference. I think for why our, our program is so successful. No, absolutely. And, you know, we're talking about this looming feeling that we're not sure what's going to be happening as the year moves forward. And we're talking about competitions. Can you tell us what essentially encompasses a competition for those who aren't necessarily familiar with cheerleading? Oh, sure. Yeah. So um, competitive cheer in Michigan is its own unique, unique style and brand. You know, we have three rounds of competition and um, an athlete could be in all three rounds. They could be in one round or they could be in no rounds. So it's, it's kind of, they're all based on different skills. Round one is a more what most people would remember as a, a floor cheer with visual things, peel offs, and it, we call it the jump round. It, it focuses on jumps. You have to do two mandatory judge jumps. And most people these days are doing up to five, six jumps, double jumps. It's getting quite advanced. When I was in school, you did two jumps and we got off the floor, (laughs) but Mm -hmm. the talent level is getting so high. People are really pushing that. So that's really the round for maybe an athlete who can't tumble. So that's round one. And then round two is a compulsory round where every team in the state does 10 of the same motions of precision drill at the start, and then five skills. And they can be there's all different levels of skills. So you can pick from what your team's capable of um, all the way up to the 1.4 skills, which are the back tuck and aerial. Usually you have two jumps, a flexibility and a gymnastic skill. So you can pick and then everybody has to do exactly the same thing in that round. So some people don't like that round. Uh, they think it's a little more boring. I personally love it because I think it's super athletic. I think, you know, it's way more impressive to do things in unison and way harder to get everybody on your team to be able to do the same skills. It's not a huge fan favorite, but for technical old school coaches, I we, we tend to like it. I'm starting to become one of the few <laughs> who love round two, but I think it really separates the, the top athletes. So I, I love round two. And then round three, which is always the, the fan favorite, which is the stunt open round. Any kind of tumbling, stunting is allowed, and it's it's the most crowd-pleasing round and also the most nerve-wracking as a coach. But it's the round that the kids like the best to perform, and there's nothing better than hitting your round three and coming off the floor. I'm sure you can relate to that. But so that's basically it. And I, I think there's some, you know, talk about how can we change that to make it safer for COVID. And I'm I'm just praying that we get to have a normal competitive cheer season because I really do love our sport and I love the way that we do it. I know you were talking about during your Zoom practices that you're very hands-on when it comes to choreography. Mm -hmm. So when you kind of look at how you would typically approach this situation, how would you normally choreograph a routine to get as close to the 800 points as you can? Yeah, so I higher level varsity teams don't really have a tough time getting to 800 in round three. The difficulty chart, the way you, you can do not 
super hard stunts and still get to that 800. So it has, you do have to think about how can I get those points? But if we were in person, I would, you know, I would definitely be, you know, last year I, I told my kids, let's just try some stuff. And, and that's how we got our sequences. And so a lot of other coaches are very methodical in their thinking and very plan it out, you know, word for word and stunt for stunt. I tend to get into practice and let, let the kids help me build, you know, the things that they want to do and the things that they're excited to show the crowd. And I, I really believe that, you know, getting their buy-in and, and making them have some ownership over some of that choreography and feeling like this is what we want to do ultimately makes them perform it a little bit more passionately. And, you know, with the teams getting so strong, it, it sometimes comes down to that, that passion on the floor that people can sit, can see and feel. And so I think having them be a part of it, you know, not be a part of it this time is hard for me because, you know, when I, you know, make up something and they get excited and it's like, oh, that's what we're sticking with. You know, it's, I can't really get that feedback from them that, you know, kind of encourages me to, to make the changes or to, or to work out that material. So it's been, it's been hard. I haven't done a single thing yet for round three and, and some of my coaching friends are, you know, all done. They learned, they made it all up on zoom. I'm like, I, I just can't do it. I can't do it. I got to wait. And so the Irish will be rushing around to get that round three on the floor if we do get out there this year, but uh, and I'll take my chances just to have their input. Wow, Beth, that sounds like you have some amazing athletes and you also, yeah, and you also have some pretty good choreography and trying to figure out how to, you know, get these girls into all three rounds and how to get the most points. And it sounds like you guys have a pretty good start on it, but I know, you know, COVID is going to delay that a bit. You were talking about how these girls are pretty good athletes, especially in round two. So when you have your tryouts as a high school coach, what are you looking for in a cheerleader? What kind of skills or characteristics are you looking for? So this is like shocking to most people because of, you know, the program success. I very rarely, I think I've maybe two, cut two kids in nine years at Notre Dame. I tend to take every athlete that shows me effort. And, you know, I I love telling the stories of, I, I call some of my my seniors that graduated in 2017, I call them my quad squad because they won four straight state championships. Uh, and those girls came in with zero skills. And, and I, I love them to death. And I, I say this to their face. They were they were not <laughs> super strong athletes and did not have any of the skills that I would think a four-time state champion would have. And through their perseverance and dedication and work, they became those athletes. And their pictures are all hanging on the wall at Notre Dame Prep as all-state athletes. And, and that was for me coming from a bigger school at Troy and having a lot more kids, you know, and and making those cuts, I I really love watching that progression and that change in in those student athletes at our school. And it was so rewarding. So some of those kids who were all three rounders, I, I wouldn't even have looked at them for one round their freshman year. And so I'm really just looking for someone who believes in our culture, who wants to be successful and, and shows me that drive. And I I really believe that's my job. My job is to make them a better athlete. If they have the right attitude, then if they don't get there, then it's my fault. (laughs) And so I put that responsibility on myself. I'm teaching them, you know, I should be able to teach them how to be a cheerleader. And so as long as they're willing and able, we, we always joke and say, just bring us the willing and able bodies. We'll make it happen. We'll make them into champs. And so that, that kind of, I, that's the part I put on myself is as long as this kid wants to be a part of our family and a part of our team, I'm going to find a way to get them involved. And, and do some kids in our program not see them at? Yeah, they don't. I, I try my best to always find a, a role at some point to get them out there, but they'll usually tell you it didn't matter. They're, they're a part of the team and they feel a part of it. 
And, you know, with competitive cheer being a, a recognized sanctioned sport, I just explained there, there's always a bench and there's always a bench in every sport. And some people get on the, on the field and some don't. And if you want to be on the field, do the work. And, and it's really been a, a caring message for our, for our program. And, you know, I don't really make cuts and that people are very shocked to hear that, but I want every kid that wants to be a part of what we're doing because I believe it's something special. And so I want to give every kid that chance. I'll tell you that every kid can stay. <laughs> they, they cut themselves if that makes sense over time, because the expectation is high to be a part of our program. But, you know, I don't have to do a lot of that cutting. Some, you know, if they can't handle, they, they don't really last usually long. So it works for me. Wow. That's amazing that you make very little cuts. I, I actually did not know that. And I think I've cut two kids in nine years at Notre Dame and it, it was, you know, basically based around effort at the tryout, you know, just, sure. just not really looking like they wanted to be there, you know. I mean, that speaks to you as a coach that you can mold these girls into athletes. I mean, it sounds like you can pretty much make anyone a cheerleader. And I mean, obviously cheerleading is a very tough sport, so it has to do really with your coaching skills. It sounds like. Well, I appreciate you saying that again, but I I really feel like, you know, if you talk to some of my Troy kids from the early 2000s, they they may not agree with that and say, wow, she's really changed because I was I was really tough and really um, thought that I had to be super tough to be successful. And I've learned that the the interpersonal relationships and, and the mentoring that you can do to young athletes will change everything. And, you know, I, to this day, like look at every kid I've coached as family. So it's, it's kind of people be like, wow, that's just so much. And I'm like, that's just what works for me. I, I love getting close to the kids and I love being a part of their successes. And, you know, that's why I coach. I, I like I said, when I think about some of those girls who came in freshman year and they left as four times state champions, like it could make me cry. <laughs> like it makes me so happy because they really didn't have any other sport or any other thing. And that's, you know, they came to us and we did some amazing things together. That is amazing. And it, like Catholic schools also are different in the sense that you draw your kids from multiple middle schools. So you don't even really necessarily know what's coming your way <laughs> until they get to you, you know, as a, as a freshman, do you ever go to the middle schools and kind of like recruit or check it out or see, you know, what some of the other Catholic middle schools are doing, or even, I mean, they could come from a public school as well. Do you have any you know, idea? I really have no idea. You know, a lot of, a lot of our kids come from Holy Family, which is a Catholic school in Rochester. So I have done some work with their, their program, helping their coaches, you know, they'll have me come in and look at some of their competition material and stuff like that to, but really, I don't know where they're coming from. I have in the past, Notre Dame has had a middle school team for the past six or seven years. We have not. And so super excited. We got one going last year. He had a sideline team and I had about 20 girls come out, which was amazing. Oh. And then this year was our second year with the sideline team. And we brought back a NDP alum from 09 and she did get approval and she's coaching our first competitive team, which was supposed to be happening this year. So I've got 09 alum coaching that team and, and kind of assisting me as well. So it's, we're growing. I'm like, I want my own feeder. I'm, I'm so I'm trying to build a, a team over at Maris, which is our, our middle school to help feed, feed our varsity program, because it is very, I guess, nerve wracking. You know, sometimes I have 10 kids come and then sometimes I have four. So it's, it's definitely nerve wracking, but I, I'm trying to feed myself here by getting our, our middle school team going and our athletic department approved a team, which was such a huge win for us. And we, you know, we've got, again, we've got 19 girls looking to come out for that middle school competitive cheer team, which will change everything for me. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Do you ever have any girls go on to cheer in college? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And right now I actually have two girls on the Michigan State team. There are one's a senior and one's a junior. I have a girl cheering at DePaul. I had I had a ton of that that's 2017 team coming right out of um, high school. I had like three girls on U of M, you know, one on Michigan. I had some girls doing the acro team over at Adrian. But yeah, I definitely have um, a lot of girls who continue on and cheering in college. And, you know, it's very different and <laughs> different for them, just different environment, different style. But like I said, these kids come out of, out of our program pretty darn disciplined and can kind of fill in wherever wherever is needed. Yeah, it sounds like it. That's awesome. Good for you. And yeah, my varsity team has girls who can't do a cartwheel and we have girls who can do full twisting layouts. So <laughs> that's pretty typical for my team. <laughs> All right. But you make it work. We figure it out. We do. <laughs> Before we continue, earlier in the show, I talked about how you can recruit yourself to Lawrence Technological University. Here's more. If you're a high school athlete with the dream of playing college sports, Lawrence Technological University wants you to recruit yourself. LTU offers over two dozen varsity sports for men and women, along with several dozen world-class undergraduate programs. Athletic and academic scholarships are available in all sports, including its newest additions, competitive cheer and dance, e-sports, women's hockey, and men's and women's track and field. Visit LTUathletics.com and recruit yourself. Lawrence Tech, where Blue Devils dare. Welcome back to the Ready, Set, Cheer podcast. We are currently joined by Notre Dame Preps head competitive cheer coach and VP of the Competitive Cheerleading Coaches Association, Beth Lockhart. Every team has its unique personality. What's something surprising about you and your girls that people would not expect to know? Mm, I don't know. I think I think people think I'm tougher than I am. <laughs> I think they'd be surprised to see the the giggling and the camaraderie and, and the joking and the silliness that happens at my practices, you know, oftentimes where, um, you know, talking at, you know, cam, cam summits and things, and we're talking about, you know, best practices and how we do things, but there's a lot more lightheartedness and, and fun sometimes that people may not know. <laughs> I talk a lot about hard work and discipline. So sometimes I think people would be surprised to hear how much fun our kids have at practice and, you know, how much we enjoy being together, you know, off the mat even. How do you find the balance between having fun and then also making sure that it's a very disciplined session? Well, I will tell you that is the difference between Beth at Troy and Beth at Notre Dame. <laughs> I found that there's a very thin line there. And Ultimately, for me, and this isn't for everybody, but for me, I found that if I can form relationships with the kids first, then the rest comes really easily because they respect me and they and they want to they trust that I'm telling them what to do and it's it's the right thing to do. I think if you just come in trying to be disciplined and trying to, you know, be that authority that sometimes it, it works against you. And so I really try to take the time to get to know all the kids. And then there becomes that level of respect both ways and they want to work hard for me and they, they want to get it done and they want to hold the legacy of our program and they want to make the alumni proud. And I, I think talking about those things, you know, I, I spend a lot of time talking at practice and that's another thing that might be surprising. I, I may talk, you know, 30 to 40 percent of the practice. We talk about everything. Before we do a skill, I ask every kid, what are we trying to do in this skill? And we say all the things out loud. And some people will be like, just get to work. But I, I've really found that explaining and, and, you know, building that relationship and that trust, ultimately, then it, trans, you know, it transfers into the work ethic of the team. And we, we do a lot of talking. <laughs> well, maybe I should say I do a lot of talking. <laughs> 
No, I love that though, because at the end of the day, it is about building relationships and a lot of athletes can carry on the lessons that they learned with you during their time at Notre Dame prep with them in life and just in general. Absolutely. That's the goal. And if that's not why you're coaching, then might not be the right thing for you. And in the beginning, I would just wanted to win, to be honest. And when I, as soon as I stopped trying to win, I, I started winning. So I, I think, you know, you, you got to think about where the kids are coming from, even if it's hard for you to understand, you know, I look at, I just sound like an old lady right there, but that's the truth. Like you, you gotta, you gotta adjust to, you know, the kids and the times and what they're going through. And unfortunately these kids need some instant gratification. And so if, I got to crack a joke to get them to loosen up and, and, you know, make fun of myself so that they they're having a good time. And by God, I'm going to do it. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. Beth, what is one thing you hope your athlete walks away with at the end of their time with you? You know, I, I just pray that they feel like they were a part of something good, a part of a family. We talk about it all the time. We talk about how this is a sisterhood and that you can't get this sisterhood anywhere else. And I really do believe that. And I I just hope that they look back and remember that they were super loved and super encouraged. And, you know, the successes that we had come from hard work. One of my girls said something to me the other day. She, she was talking about graduating from college and she's like, well, coach, you said you put the work in the work never fails you. And I just like, I wanted to cry because I always say that that's what I say. And, And she said it back and it, I love that. I love that they learned, you know, that the hard work will pay off and and you got to do the work to get what you want. And, you know, just those kind of things are are, are all that matter to me and all that matters, you know, that the kids look back and say, wow, it it was worth it. And I'm going to go out here on a limb and say that I think most of the kids would say that. And that to me is the ultimate success. And I, I don't know if I could always say that about my kids at Troy when I was, not really knowing what I was doing as a 19 year old coach. I I loved it to death and I wanted to do my best, but I I had a lot of learning to do. And the coaching journey, I, you know, I'm grateful for it because it taught me a lot for myself too. So. Yeah, absolutely. It really sounds like the girls at both schools are going to walk away with these special, important, you know, values and messages that you've given them and really bring that forward into their life. So I think that's great. Well, I, you've given me a lot of credit. But I appreciate that. <laughs> well, coaches get a lot of credit. I mean, it's a hard job. It's a hard job to coach. I will agree with that. It, it can have some very low lows, but extremely high highs. So absolutely. If you could give advice to someone who's looking to become an incoming freshman to join the cheerleading team, what advice would you give to them? Come in ready to go. That's it. Just have the desire to be part of something super special and, you know, we'll get you the rest of the way. It, we have really, really, really tough, hard summer practices. And, you know, like I said, the, the kids who can't handle it usually weed themselves out before school even starts. But I would just say, come in ready to work and, and willing to push yourself maybe a little harder than you ever thought you could. And the reward will be amazing by the end. I think that's really encouraging as well, because you're willing to meet them halfway. Like you said, you've only had two cuts during your time with Notre Dame prep. So if they're coming in with the effort, you're willing to go in and give them what they need to know to become a better cheerleader. Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, you have to, you got to give them a chance. Sometimes kids will shock you. It's my favorite when, you know, when I set the bar, I mean, most of these kids go there and it's so awesome. It's so awesome to watch. I, I always tell that the coaches when I'm, you know, chatting with them is set the bar and don't lower it because most kids will go to it. They really will. They will, they will work and get to that bar if you set it at the right place. 
Well, Beth, we're wishing you and your team the best of luck during this time. We understand that it's very hard, but your girls sound very accountable and they sound like they're desiring to build a better program. Absolutely. Thank you so much. We're, we're excited. We're going to keep praying that this season happens in some sort of fashion and um, let these kids get out there and do what they love. Thank, Thank you, you so much, Beth. We loved hearing from you. Thanks, guys. Again, a huge thank you to head coach Beth Lockhart. That was so wonderful having her on, and she has such great insight, Antoinette. And I wanted to ask you, since you used to also be a high school head coach, how important is it for someone who's in her position to look back on her career as a coach and see how much she's grown and hold herself accountable for the changes she's made? Yeah, I thought that was really interesting that she talked about changing her coaching philosophy. I feel like that really resonated with me because when she talked about her years at Troy High School, I feel like that's how I was because I was a young coach when I coached in Illinois for two years. Our team also went to states um, in Illinois, which is uh, it's a little different than than the way Michigan does our formatting. But anyways, I feel like I was very much like that where I'm like, nope, we're going to have these really long practices and again, again, again. And I really like that she said, we're going to do it right the first time and then we're going to be done. We're not going to keep harping on it. We're just going to do it and be done with it. And I think that's really, really cool that she changed her philosophy in that way and really shows her growth as a coach over the years. I also really like that she talked about adapting her techniques to each specific team and what their needs are at that time. For example, right now with COVID-19, how she's been able to adapt all of this and her practices and Zoom and everything else and keep these kids engaged, I think that was really cool. I understand, Antoinette, you really appreciate her message about quality over quantity when it comes to coaching her cheerleaders. And staying on the topic of COVID-19, she told us all about the different adjustments that they made during this time. And you even mentioned how it's important that as a coach, she needs to be able to adapt. What were you able to gather from her COVID-19 message? It sounds like she was really a hands-on coach. So having to change everything for COVID, you know, would be pretty tricky, but she pulled it off. So having to adapt these girls, even when they were having those in-person practices when they could, how she mentioned sanitizing in between everything, doing pods so they can contact trace, having everyone wear masks. So it sounds like she was really trying to give these girls a season, but also following the rules and doing what's best to keep everybody healthy. And just a reminder that it sounds like Michigan's going to be paused again till January 15th as far as competitive cheer goes. So hopefully after January 15th, we'll have some more insight as to whether or not there will be a competition season. We're wishing the best to Notre Dame Prep and all other high school competitive cheerleading teams. So if you're listening to this podcast and you have specific questions, if you have suggestions, please email us at readysetcheer at statechampsnetwork.com. This is a show that is made for you, whether you're a high school cheerleader looking to go on to the next level, you're a fan or someone who wants to learn more about cheerleading, even if you're a parent. Again, you can email us at readysetcheer at statechampsnetwork.com. Also, if you can, we would love if you could rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast for future episodes. Next week, we'll have Christina Wilson on. She is now currently the Brighton coach, but formerly the Carlson coach who started the dynasty that's Carlson today. Look for that episode airing on Christmas Day. That'll be your special Christmas gift from State Champs. We will be on a quick pause the following week after Christmas, but we'll be right back.